Howdy, howdy, friends. Cable Smith welcoming everyone into another episode of Campfire Conversations. That bonus content coming at you as frequently as we can put it out. And I think this is episode 40. Today, a special guest uh, in the form of Navy SEAL Todd Ehrlich of Killcliff. That's right, the founder of Killcliff. I like having these entrepreneurial types on because I think it helps us stay motivated. Uh, it's been especially when it's a company like Killcliff that has literally given millions of dollars back to our veterans and their families um, that need it the most. So uh, Todd is a hunter. He's done African safaris, among other things. So we'll talk about some of that. And uh, I like having these entrepreneurial types on because even though America has become this hellhole, this cesspool that I barely recognize, it's still a pretty kick-ass cesspool when you talk about the rest of the world because, yeah, Biden's trying to destroy it, but I believe in 2023, you can still start your own business. You can still pursue your dream in this country. Now, things are changing. I don't. It may not be that way in perpetuity, but right now, I still believe the American dream is alive and well, and Todd is living proof of that. Uh, Killcliff is a multi multi million dollar company, and uh, they make a pretty damn good energy drink. So, without further ado, let's bring him on right now, Todd Ehrlich of Killcliff. Thanks for being here, man. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Absolutely. So you're uh, you're somewhere in Atlanta. There's a bunch of big buildings behind you. Yeah, right, right. here in Buckhead. Um, just. Uh, Kind of the northern parts of the city. Uh huh. And how long have you lived there? Since 2005. Is that when did you get out of the military? I got off active duty in '97. Uh huh. And uh, out of the reserves, October 2000. Okay. And wh- and where are you from originally? Kind of all over. I was a military brat, but uh, spent most of my formative years in. Uh, Connecticut and uh but was born in California. Okay. And um you were a Navy SEAL. So thanks for your service. Uh all of us certainly thanks. listening to this show greatly appreciate that. Uh when and uh where were you deployed? I really never deployed anywhere. Um I I you know when I was in I was a, mm-hmm. I had a really brief enlistment. Um I kind of I kind of graduated from buds went to the seal team knocked around the seal team for a few years and my enlistment was up and i got out so i really mm. never did anything of any significance well, I'm the most junior team guy ever um which is kind of driven a lot of what i've done because i was like you know it was a very regretful decision on my part you might say so um kind of you know, like the most, like I said, the most junior team guy. I'm like the eternal new guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you you regret that decision? Yeah. So you ever you ever made a decision that you like completely regret, but you you had to make it. Um, I I knew that I figured out personally that the teams weren't going to be a career for me mm-hmm. relatively early on. Um, and, and I didn't, I like, I loved, I loved it. 
uh, you ask anybody who knew me back then, <laughs> I was like, oh, I was, I was the happiest uh, team guy ever. Um, but I, once I realized it wasn't going to be my long-term career, um, I I made a decision that I had to kind of sacrifice what I wanted to do with what I thought I needed to do uh, from a responsibility for my what would end up becoming my future family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also at the time had no idea, you know, the global war on terror was going to break out, you know, five minutes later. So right. uh, I got to be a, a kind of have a really interesting uh view of, of what took place over, over the, over those years. Um, because, you know, it's, you know, a lot of us like, like veterans and, you know, we, we respect them, which I, I do as well. I, I always feel uncomfortable when people thank me for my service. Cause I'm like, I didn't do anything, you know, mm. but, um, but, but I, but I will say like, I know what those guys did. So that's really driven a lot of what, uh, what I've ended up doing in, in life since, since I got out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, since this is our first conversation and I didn't I didn't know that you you hadn't deployed, that kind of eliminates a couple of the questions, but that's fine because you interact with these guys who do have these issues and they come back and they're struggling. Yep. Um what is and, and you're on the front lines with what you've done in your career and having been a SEAL team member yourself. What is the hardest part about getting out of active duty? You've, you know, seeing those things that these guys see in combat and then, you know, trying to fit back into civilian life. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, even for the short period of time I was in the Navy, you know, I, it was very hard to um, recalibrate into a civilian lifestyle, mm-hmm. having not seen any combat and having, you know, you know, really, you know, done nothing relative to, uh, my friends that I, I left, uh, when I, when I, when I left the Navy. Um, so I, I immediately was aware of that. Like I knew I was like, okay, if I'm struggling becoming a civilian, what are they going through? You know, as they kind of started coming out over the years and, um, and there was a lot of, a lot of challenges. I mean, the first thing that pops up interestingly is you know when you're in a community like that you know i always tell people i'm like the person i dislike the most in my community is still probably like would be ranked in like the top 20 people you know like of people i like you know as a civilian you know like these these like the whole spectrum just moves up to the head of the line so when you walk around in your civilian life and you are interacting with, you know, kind of all types of folks from an integrity perspective, you know, just kind of the whole concept of honor and everything. And mm-hmm. you trust people because you expect them to do what they say they're going to do and they don't. Um, that's really, that's one of the first things that becomes clear is like, hey, you know, people aren't wired like those guys were, right? Which mm-hmm. is, that seems so obvious but when you were in a very sheltered environment with just those folks for a long time, like it, it's really, it's a really meaningful material aspect of it. So that's, that's the one thing. And then as guys started coming back, I could really tell that there was a huge impact on folks. Um, in fact, 
uh, or even before they started coming back. Uh, one of my friends uh, that I graduated uh, buds with, you passed away in Afghanistan. Mm. And I mean, I just, when, when one of the guys called me and told me, like I could tell the effect it was having on him and, you know, and I knew the effect it was having on everybody else. So that was kind of what drove the whole Kill Cliff um, business model was like, mm. okay, I don't have any money, but maybe I can create a business that can give money to the foundation. Um, so that was like, you know, that was like 2003 when that started moving in my head, trying to, trying to solve that problem. Some mm. people probably would have acted on it much more quickly than I did, but uh, they're probably better at this than I am. So I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, I like self-deprecating uh, humor because uh, I I tend to dish that out a lot too. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. I just like I'm like I like sometimes I just wonder I'm like why is it taking so long to get these things done? You know. <laughs> well, so when did Kill Cliff officially launch? So we kind of we I was trying to launch it in 2008, and you know, kind of everybody knows what's what happened then. Mm-hmm. And I, I went through. A I really- lost my first job in radio then because okay. of what, because of what was happening. Like, I was in Texarkana, Texas, small radio station. I was doing a sports talk show, and and that's how I fell into this outdoor uh, talk format. Was my boss was like, "Hey, you have to host a, a weekly hunting and fishing show for all these East Texas rednecks. They love their. They got to get their fix, and you're the guy that's going to do it." And I just I fell in love with it. Yeah. Uh, but then the economy went the crapper and. Our, I mean, half of our advertising went away and my boss was like, I can't afford to pay you anymore. So yeah, I felt that sting certainly on a personal level. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a pretty rough time of it that, that year and all the guys who wanted to invest in my, I had three guys lined up to invest in my Killcliff business, which was actually pretty good considering I'd gotten laughed out of many, many meetings with people like, you want to start a business and call it Killcliff? What are you an idiot? Mm-hmm. I'm like, like there's beer called like Killian's and there's like, like, you know, whatever, you know, I was like, don't, don't get hung up on that. People will notice it. But anyway, um, all three of those investors walked away from the table and didn't want to like invest. And it wasn't like a lot of money. It was like, I was trying to raise like $150,000. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was I kind of put it on the shelf for about a year and a half. I really focused on, um, on what I had to do in my day job, which was a small business I ran and, uh, and, and kind of made sure that made it through the, the economic downturn, which it did. And then, um, and then I, and then I woke up one day and I was like, I've got to do kill cliff. I've got to make that happen. And I, I literally, I remember like, like being in my office and I was sitting at my desk. It was like one of those old school desks with like a normal drawer underneath mm-hmm. in the middle. And I opened that drawer and something when I looked in it made me think I need to ask everybody I see for 150,000 bucks. And so <laughs> like an obnoxious idiot, like literally I, everybody got asked for $150,000, everybody, like, you know, even if I knew they didn't have money, I was still asked. And, and because I was like, I got to get this done. And, uh, and finally I was in a meeting and I mentioned it at the end of the meeting. I was like, hey, by the way, you got 150000 bucks. You want to invest in this you know, beverage company I'm starting? And the guy was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Gave me a check, you know? So <laughs> it's a yeah. numbers game at the end of the day. So, 
It is. I when I first started this show, I mean, I would take two hundred dollars from Jim Bob's fishing guide service on Lake Texoma, and I'd make him a commercial. Which today, I wouldn't even make it, and I would run that commercial for like four months as part yeah. of the two hundred dollars. And today, I wouldn't even make a commercial for two hundred dollars, much less put it on the show. I mean, it's, but which we, you know, what you got to do to get by. And I didn't. I don't even think I made a profit for the first 18 months or so it was just like how long can i how long can i do this until my wife says you have to go get a real job now (laughs) that's basically what it was and it here we are almost 15 years later still doing it so yeah good for you yeah that's amazing um but you know good for you too and finally it is a numbers game that's that was the point is how many it was cold calling people you know like uh go to a hunting trade show get every business card that i could get or tear out every ad in a hunting magazine and then just call all those people and say, will you please just invest some peanuts with me? You know, I'm starving here. Um, so it's a really interesting at that stage, kind of who, who takes the bait or who, not the bait, but who, who wants to help you and who doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's always been really fascinating to me. Like, I'd like reach out to people and I'd be like, surely this guy will want to help. He'll understand where I'm coming from. And he could probably put himself in my shoes and understand the position I'm in. And, and, uh, and in like, sometimes like the, the response would be like so different than what I would expect. And it kind of, it kind of made me, it did like, normally I think people will be like, Hey, you know, that just makes me, you know, want to not like give back or not help out or whatever. But I was like, man, when, when somebody was like, Hey, I, I understand what you're trying to do. I, I might be able to help you a little bit. It mm-hmm. meant so much, you know, that I try, like I try my best to be that guy. Um, it doesn't always work out, uh, but I try my best to be the guy that will listen and, and try to, if I can't, if I'm not going to invest or whatever, I'm going to try to steer them in the right direction, give them some advice that might help them out or something like that. I always tell team guys, I'm like, dude, just my phone is like the bat phone for business questions for you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Like when somebody's asking how the other person responds, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it, yeah. it means something that response means something. Yeah. hundred um, percent. But it goes back to what you said about people doing what they say they're going to do. And, these people weren't going to invest in me or this show unless they thought, because I, w- I wasn't offering, you know, to help veterans. I was just like, here, this is what I want to do with my life. Believe in me, right? Right. Uh, why should I? Well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to run the commercial. I'm going to make it for you. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Um, but that's one of the most important signals in business is when somebody says, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. I need your help, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people do a lot of things in business and in commerce that, you know, aren't really like purpose driven for them. They're just collecting a check. But when you hear that signal, like, hey, this guy want this guy has a passion for this and wants to do this. That's when I like my ears perk up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes people come at me with like, hey, I got this. I'm really passionate about green energy. And I'm like, I'm not. You know, right. like, I'm like, I'm like, cool. Like there's yeah. a lot of people that want to back that stuff, you know, like, 
I'm I'm not a green energy. I want to drive over your Tesla with my jacked up truck is what I want to do. You know, uh, see how that works out. Um, so okay, so 2011. I'm just going back. Like when I was a younger man, I surely drank a lot of unhealthy energy drinks, and I'm thinking like Red Bull, Monster, Full Throttle. I don't know what other ones were already on the market then, but it seems like Rockstar. Yeah, Rockstar. Uh, it seems like it's. I mean, it seems like it was a saturated marketplace to go into, but then here we are 12 years later and I just see more and more different brands popping up. So clearly you knew something that most people didn't because I would have looked at and be like, man, the Red Bull and Monster already have this market cornered. And then there's the other fringe ones. And uh, how are we going to get Kill Cliff in front of people and, and make it a viable option? Yeah, well, the truth is that Kill Cliff wasn't an energy drink. We were a recovery drink, which... Mm. I looked at it like it was a lightly caffeinated, like my attempt was to create an analgesic product with natural ingredients, right? Which mm. I don't want to get in any trouble. I'm not making any claims or anything, but it just had a lot of ginger, which there had been some research done that ginger had analgesic properties. So, but I was like, okay, you know, ginger ale is like what, like the fifth best soda. Nobody drinks that. Like, so I was mm. like, let's, let's make ginger taste better and, you know, add some things to it. And it was actually kind of an anti-energy drink, right? Not mm. that it, not that it made you tired or anything like that, but it was like, I, I, like, I've always had enough energy. I didn't need a bunch of energy. You know what I mean? I wasn't mm. like I mean, outside of a cup of coffee, I wasn't jonesing for an energy drink. So uh, I was like, I just needed something that like, in my mind, it was like, 1% improvement was all I needed. If I could feel like 1% better, that would be a lot better. Mm -hmm. So that was the that was the original product. Um, people definitely did take it as it was an energy drink. And now we have an energy drink now um, as well, which does incredibly well. Um, but it was a crowded market. I mean, here's the, here's the deal. The beverage market is a crowded market. You're competing with water and coffee and in like booze right mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's like a lot of beverages right so in order to pry some of that stomach share away from people there had to be something more to it and you know kill clip started always with the concept that we were going to give to the navy seal foundation and um and that's one of the coolest parts of the story is we were just sending checks <laughs> Like never, I, I talked to this one guy who was on the board and said, Hey, he was a, I think he was a commander or captain. And I was like, sir, like, we're going to mention the Navy SEAL foundation that we give money to the Navy SEAL foundation on our can. Is that cool? And he was like, we'll take all the publicity we can get. And I was like, right. okay, cool. So I just went off and did it. I was like, I got one guy to say, yes, that was enough. And we started sending checks and we like, there were times where we sent checks it was more money than we made that month in, in total top line revenue. But I was oh. like, I felt like we needed to like send some money. And apparently what happened was there was a bunch of seals who were like, who the hell, what, what, you know, Jack wagon is doing this, you know, like using our name and all that stuff. And so they called the um, seal foundation and they're like, no, we get, we get checks from these guys like every month or so. <laughs> We've never talked to them. They've never asked for anything. And then fast forward a couple of years, we sat down with the 
with the foundation um, executives uh, and CEO and, and they, you know, we, we, we reached an agreement to be an official partner with them. So it was kind of a cool, we didn't ask for anything. We just wanted to give. And it turned out to be this thing where now we've given over a million bucks. And when you look at one, just to put it in perspective, anytime you look at one of those companies where you have like, we give a portion of our, our profits to charity, check how much they give. It's like yeah. nothing because they never have profit. Right. Yeah. So you have to, if you're going to be a real purpose driven product, it has to be part of the equation from the beginning that part of the proceeds or some amount goes to that charity or you're just full of crap. And, and what is the seal foundation? It, does it benefit the family of, uh, of fallen seals or is it helping with guys who come back and uh, maybe yeah. they need mental help or whatever it is. So there, there's a handful of Navy SEAL related charities. The Navy SEAL Foundation is kind of like the big one. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of the granddaddy of it all. I think it started in 2000, 2001. So it was after I got out. The, the mission started as helping um, the families of the fallen, um, you know, supporting their kids to go to college and, mm -hmm. and even school supplies and things like that. But the, the mission has really expanded to the whole community. So now and that's the thing that people don't really that's that's what like drove me so much is like I knew how much these guys were doing. Like I knew the commitment that they were making and their families were making. And it's like I can't ethically walk around in life and not admit that they're like out there literally doing they're putting it all on the line every day. And we're sitting here. Like I'm not getting shot at, you know, I'm like, mm. I do live in Atlanta, but I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not really like, I'm not risking anything other than, you know, driving home and, and back from work. So I knew, I knew how big of a deal it was. And so they do a lot for the community in general. Um, you know, the Navy SEAL foundation, like they'll put on camps for, for kids of, of team guys who are deployed um, you know, so they can have a more normal childhood and relate to kids that understand what's going on with them. Because if your dad's gone for six months and, you know, you can't talk to him or whatever, like things get kind of weird, you know, yeah. so they need to be around people to understand what's going on. So they'll do all these things and they help, you know, they help guys in the community with their injuries, their families. I mean, it's like the whole nine yards. It's kind of an amazing organization. Uh -huh. I mean, okay. it is an amazing organization. Excuse yeah. Me. Yeah. So as far as the product is concerned, uh, what, what separates the energy drink from the rest of them? Caffeine. I mean, caffeine. it's got 125 milligrams of caffeine. The, the regular recovery drink has 25 milligrams and so does the, uh, the CBD drink. Uh -huh. Last time I checked, I mean, it could have changed, but last time I checked, those are kind of the specs. Okay. So caffeine and then it's, does it have a lot of sugar? I'm assuming it doesn't. No, no, there's no sugar. Um, we use natural flavors and, and natural sweeteners that are either calorie or, or, or you know, kind of net carb out to zero. Okay. It's um, a really healthy drink. It's delicious, by the way. I mean, like if anybody hasn't had it, I'm not trying to like do a commercial for it, but like, it's really good. Like that was our thing from the beginning is it's got to taste good. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things out there that are very popular that taste like crap. Yeah. You know, like I can't, I'm like, why would anybody buy this? But I mean, maybe it's great marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you have a recovery drink, an energy drink. What other products, if any? We have a CBD drink. So it's uh-huh. got like 25 milligrams of um of CBD in it. That's really great too. I kind of think that's like a, a in and of itself a, a recovery drink, mm-hmm. right? So CBD, you know, is considered a recovery product. So it, it, it's wonderful. Uh the our our CEO made it, did a great job, and it's a great product. I mean, I I rub CBD balm on my lower back almost every day. So I'm a fan. Yeah. I was um, wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> no, I have a bulging disc. And I, I don't know if it really helps me or not, but I, I feel like it does at least yeah. take some of the sting off. So um, what about what about you as an outdoorsman? Are you uh, big into hunting or shooting sports? Yeah. Adventure sports? Yeah. What do you like to do? Well, so I, I like my favorite thing is our birds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I love uh, particularly pheasant. Uh, we got a lot of, we, so I like to go to South Dakota um, for pheasant. Um, we've got, because um, it's fun. I have like raging ADD. So like it, it keeps me going, right? I'm like, uh-huh. oh, pheasant. okay, cool. You know, you know, uh, rooster. Uh, but anyway, uh-huh. um, I like quail, uh, I like turkey. Um, I'm, I mean, I wish I spent more time hunting. I, I don't spend enough. I, 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 like, I like hunting for bigger game too. Um, you know, been over to, you know, South Africa and done that, that too. Um, I'm not as good as I could be. I love to shoot, you know, I just love shooting guns and, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I love, you know, I love taking my kids out and, and, and getting them, uh, to, to shoot a little bit. My girl, my little girls aren't, aren't that excited about it, but my son is, is a, I think like he can, he'll hit like, you know, he's 12. He'll hit a, you know, a couple sporting, you know, he'll do like a double sporting clays. And I'm like, I'm impressed by that for a 12 year old. Um, so he's, he's, he's pretty good. Uh, but I enjoy it. It's, I think it's good time with the family too. So. Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm taking two of my three kids turkey hunting next week. So, nice. and, and neither one of them have ever shot a turkey. They're 10 and eight. Uh, one of, and I have twin girls that are eight and one of them wants to shoot a turkey. The other one so yeah. stay home with mama. Uh, and will yeah. you, will you hunt from a blind or will you like stalk them or we'll just call on the ground. Uh, okay. we might throw some like cedar boughs in front of us or something, but yeah. the turkeys where we're going down by the King ranch are really dumb. I've hunted them yeah. the last three or four years really? and that's why I keep going back. Yeah. Like one time they watched my buddy and I crawl out with the decoy. They're like 150 yards away. They're watching us. We crawl with the decoy, set them out. I, I mean, not even like crawl. I mean, like we just kind of crouch down and just go set a decoy out. And we call for like 10 minutes and here they come like that dumb. So yeah. I, I think it's like the perfect place for a kid to, if they're able to handle the shotgun, you know, uh, get their first turkey. So yeah, excited that's about that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So what all did you shoot in South Africa? I got a sable. Nice. Ayala, uh, a black Impala, a, uh, gosh, I got like a a bunch of stuff. Oh man. Uh, Kudu. A Kudu, a big Kudu. 
a fallow deer. There have to be fallow. Oh, I, I shot one there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that thing's going down. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, the Nyala was kind of the coolest animal. Um, I got the sable with a bow, but I, I like really, 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 really did a very bad job. I was super, I was sleeping. I, I fell asleep in, in the blind. And and then you know Baker wakes me up, and he's like, "Hey, look, now look out!" And like I went from like a fifty-five heartbeat to like a hundred and fifty-five, like that. And and I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta shoot it!" And I just must have flinched, and I put it, I, I put that arrow way too far back on that thing. So that was like a whole mess like trying to track that thing down and, and put him down well how did the did the dogs do well though yeah yeah there was a dog like so this dog her name was lady had 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 him by uh one of his testicles and was hanging on <laughs> as 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 <laughs> and this is a jack russell type dog or something no it was more of a um god what what do they call it it was a larger dog but okay yeah, but he was, you know, this is a sable. This is a big, big sable. Yeah. And um, it's literally spinning in a circle. And ladies just out. And I'm like, and they're like, listen, you got to use this rifle and finish this thing off. And I'm like, all right. So, and they're like, do not shoot the dog, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, which wasn't very difficult to miss, but but it was like, like I was like, after that terrible bow shot, you know, like, how bad am I going to screw up this rifle shot? So, so anyway, we the the thing went down and everything was good, but it was a, it was a, it was eventful. It was Not a rodeo. Pretty. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a rodeo for sure. So I shot a sable with a bow too, and we stalked up on it, crawled, crawled, crawl. We're laying there. He's laying down with a bunch of cows, and finally my pH is like, just slowly stand up. He'll run a few feet and then he'll stop and look at you. So I did, and he did. But there's no time to range it or anything. So right. I'm just like, okay, 25 yards. Yep. And this time he starts running again. So that arrow is, it's probably a foot back. I mean, it, yep. That's what it, I kill, did. it was going to kill him. He, and, but we found him and the pH was like, Carl, my buddy said, uh, we can just let him die and it'll take him a couple hours or we can just put the dog on him. And like so many of these African antelope, they they won't run. They'll just turn them try to fight the dog. So they may run a little bit, but eventually they're like, screw that. Look at this little dog's not gonna. I'm I'm looking at me jacked up on testosterone. I'm way bigger and stronger than this thing. So he and I, this is just a little Jack Russell we've turned out. He paid him up in like hundred yards, snuck in there and shot him again. It was all it was all over. But uh, yeah, those uh, sable are just absolutely beautiful animals. The prince of the plains, they call them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing over there. That was yeah. fun. I I went a little too crazy though. I like I, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> it sounds like you need to go back and sh- and do a Cape Buffalo though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that would that be. But is it like isn't like isn't South Africa all jacked up now or something? Like I haven't been there in like nah. six years. But I'm go- I'm going last week of May. So okay, hopefully not for so me and the I- guys going with. <laughs> so it's so i went so i went to you know flew into johannesburg mm-hmm. got picked up we drove up to limpopo you know 
we're like we're up there and then i was like okay i gotta go to like cape town or something get out of here like i'm going a little crazy and uh and so i i flew down i went back to johannesburg then flew to cape town hung out there with a couple friends for a few days uh just did some sightseeing did like the like the great white shark dive thing which is cool saw some great whites which is neat and uh and then on the way back, I get back to the Johannes. So I fly from Cape Town to Johannesburg, but I'm inside the airport, right? And and somebody called. I, I forget who it was, but they're like, "Are you anywhere near the news?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think I can go check out the news." And I, I look, and there's like that thing where the where the cops in South Africa like like go like this and like hang out of the car and like shoot the carjackers. Like literally happened right in front of the arrivals. Uh, or the departures area of the Johannesburg airport. Mm. Uh, so it was kind of, kind of interesting, but uh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an eventful trip. It was like, yeah. there's a lot going on in South Africa. Oh yeah. yeah. Never a dull moment. Um, yeah. What, uh, what would you say is on your bucket list? If you have anything left that you, you just like, I want to go hunt that someday. From a hunting perspective. I mean, I hear fishing. I, you like to fish. I don't know. I love fish. I love to fly fish. So on my 50th, I'm 50 on my 50th birthday, I went down to Mexico to try to fly fish for some permit. Um, oh, nice. Didn't get any, I only got a few bones, almost got a tarpon. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I love fly fishing. Um, you know, I think I like, I think with hunting, it's, it's kind of, I want to be able to enjoy it. You know what I mean? And relax and, and not feel like I'm rushed, um, which is not usually been. And I know that's how it is. Like, Hey, a guy gets an elk tag. He's like, I got three days to get this thing and get out of here. Um, I, that doesn't sound like real, like fun to me, like to, to be in a rush. I want to, I want to enjoy it. So hopefully I get to a point where I can, I can do some stuff like that and have more time. Um, but yeah, I love, I love, I love fishing. I mean, I, I'll, I love the sport of all of it. You know, I really do. Um, you know, fishing's great. Uh, fly fishing's awesome. Uh, and then on the hunting stuff, you know, I just, I get, I get, I'm like that guy, like, like people are going on a trip and they're like, Oh, we got one more seat. Like <laughs> uh, let's call Todd. Like I'm that guy. So that's how I got into pheasant hunting. There was like one more seat on the plane and I got invited and now I love it, you know? So, uh-huh. Yeah. You have any dogs? Uh, yeah, I've got a, uh, a golden doodle. I'm okay. highly allergic to dogs. So right on. Um, he's hypoallergenic. Oh yeah. Those, yeah. all the doodles are, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah like the, but the, the outdoor talk show host can't have a doodle. Nope. It's gotta, yeah. Gotta, that it would has be to a, be like a purebred hunting dog. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. My wife I, lobbied I mean, for that and I laughed at her. I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, all my that. friends make fun of my, my dog. We also have a, uh, like a, a, 10 pound Bijan who's like 15 years old which is like you know he's blind and deaf but he can smell like like when we get Uber Eats he'll uh-huh. walk all the way across the house to the front door he can smell the food through the front door it's it's kind of f- amazing maybe yeah. like smell receptors got stronger when he went blind and deaf or something mm. anyway <laughs> so yeah. where can folks find Killcliff like who are your major distributors yeah. So, I mean, it's at Walmart, um, Publix online at killcliff.com. Um, that's where we sell most of it. 
Uh, and then just like, you know, retailers around the country is in like 12,000 stores, maybe yeah. 22,000. I don't know. Something like that. I don't, it's, it's like over 10,000 locations. Um, so I'm just thinking here in Texas. So Walmart, probably the biggest probably Walmart. Retailer. Yeah. Okay. Probably Walmart. Um, I think we were in HEB for a while. That's the Texas thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But I, I don't know if we're there now. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was a great sales pitch. <laughs> I, I was, no, I was, I was disassociated from the business for 15 years. I was, I mean, for seven years, I was, I was a CEO for like the first five years. And then, um, you know, I got, I got pushed out, you know, by the, by the board of directors um, for opening up Walmart, actually huh. <laughs> our number That's one weird. customer. They were like, yeah, that was, that was a bad decision. I was like, why and they're like it's not on brand and i was like who who knows this brand better than the guy who started it you know what i mean right okay whatever so i was asked to leave and um and then they brought in like a big corporate guy and he didn't do that great um and then uh so i just i just recently got back involved i i purchased uh the majority of the of the stock back Hmm. um kind of get it refocused back on on its original mission and uh right on so that was like the the impetus there but uh but yeah so I'm, I'm involved again and you know i love the brand and it's uh you know we've given over a million bucks to navy seal foundation um so it's kind of like it's one of those things like like there's very few things in life where you can be like hey i'm actually like you know, I'm doing this thing right now. And there is a benefit to somebody or a community of people that I actually care about that, like right in the moment that happens, which is kind of cool with that product. Right. Uh, last question, the name kill cliff. Uh, how do we come up with that? Yeah, that's a good question. That is a good question. <laughs> so uh, I'm a bit of a practical joker um and have been known for some of my practical jokes over the years probably and i got uh i had this roommate named cliff and cliff was uh um he's a really great guy by the way just a disclaimer there he's a very good guy he's a friend of mine all that stuff but cliff was you know um he's he was not good at like talking to women mm. and in like it kind of annoyed some of my other friends where it was like you know he would scare the women away you know I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and he's a he's a handsome guy he's six foot six like he should be able to like they want to talk to him so bad or at least they used to and yeah. uh before he got married and had kids but but the point is then he would he would start talking and he's so smart that he'd like start talking about math or something and they'd be like oh my god like what do you get away from me so uh so as a joke like to kind of endear him more to our friend group, I made these t-shirts that said kill cliff. And, and I gave them to everybody that I knew. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then that joke kind of like got its legs and, and kind of started growing. And, and one night a friend and I were just having fun and we, it, we gave him an eviction notice and we said it was like from the Kill Cliff committee. And he got really upset and kind of started yelling at me. And he pushed me. And I'm 5'9 and he's 6'6. Six, six. And when he pushed me, I went flying. And I was like, damn, that was aggressive, you know? 
I'm like, you know what, Cliff? I haven't, and I had been working on Kill Cliff, the drink, and I just didn't know what to call it. Like, I really didn't know what to call it. And I was like, and it hit me as I hit that refrigerator in the air that it was going to be called Kill Cliff. The beverage was, and I was like, I'm going to go call my beverage Kill Cliff. And he looked at me and like, there was like this like one second pause and he went running to his room and I was like, why would he do that? And I was like, oh, he's going to buy the domain name. And then I went running to my room and I bought the domain before he bought it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how that happened. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. It was kind of funny, but yeah. Well, Hey, I certainly appreciate the time, Todd. It was nice getting to know you a little bit. Um, thanks for giving back to the, uh, Navy SEALs and their families, a million dollars is, is a uh, huge sum of money. So a uh, worthy endeavor. And uh, we're happy to, to support you in any way that we can. Yeah, I would just say anybody that is interested, just go to the Navy SEAL Foundation website and check it out. And it's a good organization. If you're going to be giving any money to anybody, that's one to one to support. So thank you. Right on. Well, have a good one, buddy. We appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. So there you have it, Todd Ehrlich of Kill Cliff. Yeah, man, I, I like energy drinks. I do. Uh, but I'm trying to not drink the ones that are full of crap, like that artificial sweetener. Ugh, can't be can't be good for you, right? It says no sugar. Well, what the hell does that mean? Because uh, it tastes, something in there tastes sweet. And whatever that sweetness is, probably is artificial, and it damn sure ain't good for you. Uh, so Kill Cliff. Give it a whirl if you haven't already. They give back to our veterans, uh, which um, I'm a big fan of. Uh, thanks, Todd. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. That's going to do it for this episode of Campfire Conversations. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith. Y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Pray.